Welcome back to another edition of Ground Rule Double. Benjamin Cox and Matt Trusty here to bring you as much as we can within a short amount of time as we talk baseball. We talk early season struggles for some teams, early season surprises for the others. We talk about a no-hitter that maybe was or wasn't. We'll let you be the judge, especially if you've seen the highlights. But we're going to talk about first... Anthony Rizzo starting a holy war on my Facebook page. Not really him per se, but the article. Anthony Rizzo, we play too much baseball. Ben, you were kind of the one that wanted to to pick the fights on my Facebook page. Uh, What are your thoughts on all of this? Well, the, the season was lengthened back in the 60s, and then it's been subsequently drawn out further. While there hasn't been more games, but the schedule itself has been drawn out further and further. Uh, It seems as time has gone by, this was a major talking point during the strike. Uh, It was a major talking point during this collective bargaining agreement uh, to allow players to have more off days. Uh, You know, why not go back to that 156-game schedule uh, We've become a society that has a short attention span and uh, playing as long as baseball does. And, you know, that seems to be the biggest complaint right now that we need to tinker with the game. So why not just tinker with it all the way around? Give them their their shorter season. Uh, Give them, um, you know, shorter games. Why not? And, you know... There's a reason why Major League Baseball is one of the toughest sports in the world because of the schedule, because of the travel. Um, and I think, you know, Rizzo does have a point. We're seeing a lot more injuries this year because the schedule's been lengthened, uh, you know, into some colder time periods. You need to get back to the warmer weather with baseball, or you're going to see a lot more uh, these all star style players, heaven forbid, guys like Mike Trout and Bryce Harper and Clayton Kershaw. Uh, Chris Bryant start going down with uh, sprains and strains and muscle problems and you know the arm trouble with uh, Tommy John continues to uh, grow and grow Um, so you know why not I guess so what here's kind of the article I'm going to try to read as many of the Rizzo quotes and then kind of talk on them I think we play too much baseball Rizzo said yes guys are going to take pay cuts are we playing this game for money, or do we love this game? I know it's both, but in the long run, it will make everything better. Rizzo believes a transition period with guaranteed contract to be worked out, perhaps grandfathering them into a new system with new contracts reflecting fewer games played. Once you start taking money from guys, that's where it's going to get dicey, uh, Rizzo added. Uh, this goes back to a couple weeks, you know, about a week ago, where there was back-to-back games between the Cardinals and Cubs that were kind of postponed. One was the Cardinals and Cubs, and then the one from the Cubs, and then another one with the Cardinals. Uh, Rizzo was also quoted as saying, I think playing the Colts sucks. I was thinking about this the other day. When you think of the Cubs and Cardinals, you think of a beautiful Saturday at Wrigley Field. You don't think about playing games in 20 degrees. In a perfect world, we'd start the season later and play a few scheduled doubleheaders going into an off day. As you're, as a fan, you're going to you're going to a baseball game in April at a training, snowing, the freezing rain. Is it really that much fun? That's my question. He was ended as saying this is kind of a freak April. Uh, he's actually right on pretty much everything he says. Uh, it's a freak April as 
we haven't seen temperatures like this in April for this long time in, in quite some time. He's also correct saying, as a fan, do we enjoy the games when it's raining, snowing, freezing rain? I don't. I love baseball, but sitting in it, I don't like it. I know. I can't even imagine them them playing in it. Uh, as far as shortening the schedule, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I, I like as many baseball games as possible, but I think it's going to happen within the next you know, decade uh, just because baseball is probably going to change. Alignment's going to change. Uh they're probably going to, as crazy as this sounds, and me and you talk about contracting teams, they're probably going to add more teams. So they're going to switch divisions uh, where there's, I think, four teams in each division and have them uh, set uh, like centrally to where they're located so it'll be different regions. I guess I'm okay with that, but I'm, I'm to the point where I think they play too many games within the division now. And if that happens, they're just going to play more games uh, within the division. I would love to have more double headers, but that just wakes too much, creates too much havoc. Because uh, if you're a fan, you're going to want to pay for two games to go see if you don't have a lot of money. Probably not. And if you have to sell the game separately, then you're going to have to clear out the ballpark and bring people in. Logistically, it just doesn't make sense. That's about the only thing I disagree with. I mean, I'd love for it, but I just don't think there's a way they're going to be able to do double headers going into an off day. It's hard enough as it is now with the rain events. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is something that is obviously going to change at some point. Uh, there's enough gripes going on about it. I'm just, you know, the idea that everything Rizzo said was right and, you know, people are saying that he's a crybaby about it. Well, you know what? I'd love to see you go out there and do, th do that job every single day for 162 games and playing the freezing cold i've said it wrigley uh in 29 degree weather in the rain watching a 13 inning game between the cubs and the cardinals it was miserable just sitting there it was miserable i can only like you said you can only imagine pl imagine playing in it uh, you know the grip on the ball for a pitcher is terrible uh, holding a bat stings a little bit when you make contact the air deadens the ball so it makes the pace of the games uh, a lot longer as guys try to stay warm and do their job. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, going back to uh, pushing spring training forward and get them, getting them out of March and maybe shortening back to the 1960 schedule uh, down to 156 games would be best. And obviously I'm for contracting the league at this point. Um, Derek Jeter and Bryant Gumbel got in a very heated exchange here recently, which uh, that interview is supposed to come about ten tonight, I believe, on HBO, uh, talking about teams tanking. And uh, this is one of those instances where teams aren't necessarily tanking on purpose, but the weather is... Uh, definitely affecting the schedule and games played. We're going to see a lot of doubleheaders this year. That we are. We're definitely going to see a lot of doubleheaders. I mean, baseball is baseball. I don't think in this situation that that Rizzo is being a crybaby. Uh, but I will say that I understand that it's tough. But if I had the skills to play baseball, and maybe this is just me trying to be Superman, uh, but I, 
I'd almost have to be like Cal Ripken. I'd have to be dead before they could take me out of the lineup. Um, I don't care if it was raining, colding, whatever. I love this game so much I'd play it if I still could play it, if I had the talent. I just never had that much talent. And I'd play it for free. But And that's what I'm saying. Where these guys are making this much money, but it's okay to voice your opinion. Uh, again, it's not like he said he didn't want to play with it. He was actually using very good points. When do you enjoy baseball? Baseball, there's a reason that baseball has an offseason. It's not meant to be played in cold weather. Baseball has always been for, you know, a nice summer's day, a warm spring day. It sucks, too, because baseball gets the worst. It, it gets it gets at times the coldest temperatures, uh, but it also gets the hottest temperatures. So, um, unfortunately, I don't think, like I said, that the season's going to change um, uh, the games soon, but like I said, within the next 10 years. And I agree with you. I, I, I think I'm all for contraction. Uh, and I don't and my favorite team, one of my favorite teams, Open A's, as I've said that, I don't think they're taking on purpose. They just don't have the money. They're not very good. And I know that there was a no-header pitch, which we'll talk about shortly. They're just not a good team. And what can you do? And they're not selling out. They finally had people come to the stadium when the tickets were free, but they're not they're not making money. And I thought that's kind of what it was out. What it was about? If you're an ownership, you want to make money, and you want to have it enjoyable for the fans. And granted, I've never been to the Coliseum. I hear it's an awful place to watch baseball. Uh, awful place for the players inside. Almost as bad as the uh, I think it's Tropicana Field in Tampa Bay. Getting rid of Oakland and getting rid of Tampa Bay and sparsing out some of those players, talented players to other teams, I don't think it would hurt baseball at all. No, um, I absolutely 100% agree with that. The idea that going back to 28 teams, right, uh, wouldn't hurt baseball one bit. Uh, just the idea that uh, a couple of the the divisions will have four teams instead of five is absolutely fine with me. Right. But again, like they were talking, is they're making even cases to expand to two more teams. They've talked about Montreal. Uh, I think it was Oregon that's now. Yep, Portland, uh, Oregon was the other one. Or, so, yeah, Montreal and Oregon. So there's a chance there could be 34 teams. I just, I don't think there's enough talent there. Um, Why don't they just shift those two awful teams into those two cities with new stadiums, in my opinion? (laughs) And I agree, and I think that's something that may be looked at as well. But, uh, again, you can sometimes become, it's always funny, parents were always quoted and parents are the smartest, but sometimes you can become too big for your britches. The NFL kind of ran into that where they were, some of the most popular baseball is trying to get to be uh, the pastime again, the most popular sport. Now they're trying to change it. Sometimes you need to figure out what's working and, and, and go with that. Cause the, the pace of play today was awesome. I went to the game. Uh, it was done in less than three hours, but it was still a baseball game. Um, they're just trying to change the game too much. I mean, just let them play. Just let them play. Right. All right, Ben, we'll move on. We'll, we talked about Oakland. Uh, surprise last night, Sean Manaya, 
uh, went up against the Boston Red Sox and no hit them. There were a couple of uh, close plays where Simeon dropped a fly ball. I think in almost any other game, they'd probably give it a hit. And then Benintendi, they said he was out of the baseline, called him out. Mm -hmm. That one was questionable as well. But in a no-hitter, you're going to come up up with questionable plays. I think it's awesome that he did it. Uh, Crazy they did it again against Boston. Boston was 17-2 and at the time. And Oakland played their hearts out and got him the no-hit shutout complete game victory. It was the first complete game of his career as well. Yeah, and first no-hitter since uh, Dallas Braden's perfect game almost uh, a decade ago. Um, You know, the idea here is that it's only the seventh no-hitter in Oakland A's history. Uh, So his name will be in the record books. Uh, I I haven't seen the replays on either of those uh, plays at all, but, you know, good on the Oakland A's. I like seeing Boston taken down a little bit. They get too big for their britches. Um, now that you know they had won the World Series, you could say the same thing about the Cubs. Um, but the Red Sox have the, I believe, the second or uh, or the highest payroll in all of baseball, um, and to knock them down a notch and by a team that you know most people don't have any expectations for. Uh, Manaya's name was tossed around a lot this offseason as a possible trade uh, acquisition for many contending teams, and it, they decided to hang on to him. They did, but this brings up, and, and I know there's going to be more stats and stuff that we need to look into, but how good is this for, for his career? You mentioned Dallas Braden. After that perfect game, he was pretty much worthless. And you see a lot of these lately, these these pitchers that do no-hitters don't do much afterwards. Like, you wonder if you're a manager, do you, which I know is sacrilege in baseball, but would you maybe consider taking out a pitcher with a no-hitter to save their career to make it lasting? Because it's hard to say that, I mean, Matt Scherzer's a beast, and he's one of the few, but a lot of these pitchers that do the pitch a no-hitter a complete game, after it's done, their careers are not that great. Well, Manaya's, uh, you know, consistently been about a three and a half, four ERA guy his entire career. I think he'll go back to that. Um, you know, every every dog has his day, and it happened to be Mister Manaya's day yesterday. Uh, I think what happens a lot with that phenomena that you're, you're talking about is uh, the expectation. They know they can do it now, and they go out on 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 the mound and rather than just throw their game they're trying to throw a no hitter every time they go out and you know that's just not the case you're more likely to uh, be struck by lightning than to throw a no hitter in major league baseball um so i think what what needs to happen here is that mr Manaya or anybody who throws a a no hitter they have to go through some kind of reality check and say hey you know what that was just a game. I got to go out and win, win the next game and the one after that. I can't go out there and expect to throw the game of my life every time I step on the mound. Um, there has to be some kind of, uh, I guess you could say, a come down effect from that. Um, which is why you know certain pitchers like Max Scherzer, you know Nolan Ryan back when we were younger, um, Jake Arrieta who's thrown two no hitters. Uh, 
just the idea that you know you have that capability if you pitch your game and everything is going right for you. Um, not every game is going to go right, so you cannot hold yourself to that expectation every time. Uh, just know that every time you step out on the mound, you got to pitch to win and not necessarily pitch for stats. Absolutely. All right, Ben, what you drinking tonight? Well, uh, they just made this a year-round beer from this brewery. Uh, tonight I'm drinking Founders Breakfast Stout. It is uh, one of their year-round uh, offerings. It is a double chocolate coffee oatmeal stout. It is 8.3% alcohol by volume with 60 IBUs. And the Coffee Lover's Consummate Beer, brewed with an abundance of flaked oats, bitter and imported chocolates, and two types of coffee. The stout has an intense, fresh-roasted coffee nose topped with a frothy, cinnamon-colored head that goes on forever. And it's one of those beers you can keep around for a long time. This one was brewed back in November of 2017, and it tastes as fresh as any beer as I've had in the past week. What are you drinking, Matt? That's good. Well, I am drinking, uh, I think it's a Lasian uh, split shot, uh, espresso milk stout. Uh, It's from the uh, Lasian Brewing Company in Washington. Uh, It's alcohol by volume is 6%. It doesn't really give any IBUs, so there's probably not very many of those. Split shot combines the local talents of the Lasian Brewing and some town coffee to literally smooth. And very northwest type of beer. It is pretty smooth. Um, I mean, it's a standard stout. I like it. Uh, not too heavy though. So uh, enjoy it if you have a chance. So do you want to talk about some unexpected teams in the top? I believe we hit on this last week, but it has continued. Uh, with it really some... hasn't again. We say this knowing the season is still young. We're not even out of the first month. But there's a lot of surprise. And, and normally I think you're going to start off with this, but i got to start off because I'm one of the hardest on the Cardinals because I don't think they did enough. Didn't think they did enough. I don't know if they did it or not. But it seems as of right now they are doing enough. Um, it seems like a lot of the moves they've made uh, are working out quite well for them. Michaelis has been fantastic. Uh, they are tied in first place with Milwaukee. I'm still surprised by them with them winning six in a row. Uh, but with the Cardinals, they, they seem to be doing a lot with a lot of, in a sense, unknown talent. Uh, Jose Martinez is having a tremendous year. The Youngs, the Youngs still stroking. Yachty having the biggest power Versailles that I've ever seen uh, this early in his career in a season. Even Matheny has done okay. Granted, I'm not going to give him all the credit in the world, but it seems like he's trying to keep these players as loose as can be. He still does some crazy stuff that I don't necessarily agree with, but right now the Cardinals are in first place now. I know they played the Reds, who the Reds are a god-awful team. But in years past, the Cardinals weren't sleeping the reps. They, they maybe win one of three or two of three or split a series. But they are going in and they are going for the kill, which when you're a good team, that's what you're supposed to do against the bad team. So right now, I will say 
I was wrong with like what I thought the Cardinals would be. And if they keep this up, I'm going to be really wrong, wrong. And I hope they do. So I found the article that I mentioned last week about Jose Martinez. And it has something to do with a stat called WOBA. W-O-B-A. And it's one of those crazy stat cast things. Um, and it's intended to show total command of what the batter can do at the plate. It accounts for quality of contact in terms of exit velocity and launch angle and the amount of contact in terms of strikeouts and walks. It doesn't look at play outcomes because the point is that a hitter ought to be credited for the skill shown in crushing a ball, regardless of whether a good defender catches it or a poor defender does not. So, ex okay. so uh, expected WOBA leaders in 2017, minimum 250 plate appearances. The top four guys are guys you would probably expect to be there. Uh, number one was Aaron Judge with a .446, so it's, it's similar to like batting average. Um, second would be Joey Votto with .424. Third was Mike Trout with .423. He was tied with J.D. Martinez with .423. The fifth name on the list was Jose Martinez with .411 ranking ahead of the next person, which was Freddie Freeman with .403. Major League average, Woba last year was .314. Last season, 301 hitters had 250 plate appearances. So what should stand out there is the other names on the list are indisputably among the best slugging superstars in the game, right? I would agree with that. So more names in the top 15 with that stat are Stanton, Justin Turner, Carlos Correa, and Bryce Harper. So if you look at the 2016 leaders, you'll see Miguel Cabrera, David Ortiz, Trout, Voto, Josh Donaldson. In 15, it was Cabrera, Voto, Ortiz, Trout, Harper, and Freeman. So Where are your Cubs at, man? My Cubs are nowhere to be seen. Wow. Nope. Nowhere to be seen. So as far as best hitting seasons between 2015 and 2017, Jose Martinez last year had one of the best hitting seasons over the last two years. Does that blow you away? In a sense it does, but it doesn't. I mean, I've, I've been watching a lot of Cardinal games this year. He just hits the crap out of the ball. Like, I am surprised that it took him this long to get to the major leagues. Um, that's the one thing you wonder with the Cardinals, if they're not evaluating their younger talent as well as they should have. Even Tommy Pham, uh, he's been killing it this year. He's been a little bit hurt uh, last couple games, so he hasn't been playing. But when he's been in there, he's been great. So you wonder if they're maybe missing out on some of their younger talent and letting them sit too long in the minor leagues. Yeah, you know, that that was kind of the story of Martinez, too. The fact that he had all those right knee surgeries that cost him most of his minor league playing time. You know, the White Sox, the Braves, and the Royals all gave up on him because of that. And they never once saw him really tap into anything until he started playing in the Pacific Coast League uh, a few years back. And he started really working on his swing. 
you know, the fact that Martinez has just been this anomaly for the Cardinals, um, because he's finally healthy, because he's getting regular playing time uh, with injuries for the Cardinals. The problem here, and I believe you mentioned it, is Martinez can't play in the outfield because the Cardinals outfield is full. So they got him at first base where he is learning on a very steep learning curve how to play the position, and he's kind of a defensive liability. So the Cardinals are going to have to make a decision here on what they're going to do with him. Uh, do they continue to put him out there at first base and hope that his bat makes up for the errors in the field, uh, which I call the Kyle Schwarber effect uh, in Chicago? Or do they, you know, insert him every once in a while in the outfield to spell, you know, Ozuna or Fowler in the corners? I think they're going to keep him at first base. The more you play, the better you get. The thing is, that's where it's not really all his fault. I mean, don't get me wrong. Playing first base is a lot tougher than people want to give credit for. But what really is bad for for Martinez, the Cardinals' infield defense isn't that great. Whether Carpenter's at second or third, Carpenter is a liability anywhere on the infield. Even at first base, he wasn't that good. Um, and unfortunately, right now, Carpenter's bat is not as good as it's been in years past. It really, I think, keep him playing. Martinez's bat has been, so you have to keep him in the lineup. Um, you know, Jericho is okay. He's better at third than Carpenter, and actually better than most give him credit for. Wong can be up and down uh, defensively. Um, and then DeYoung still is okay at short, so... He, Martinez is trying to learn first base with a very poor defensive infield, and that's something that the Cardinals are also going to have to figure out as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, Carpenter is 12th on the team in batting average for the Cardinals right now. Carlos Martinez, a pitcher, has better batting average than him. And given, you know, Martinez only has 11 plate appearances versus 69 with Carpenter, that just shouldn't be the case. You know, Harrison Bader, a guy who just recently got recalled from uh, the minors, he's batting better than Carpenter. Uh, you know, Dexter Fowler, Osuna, DeYoung, Molina, those guys you'd expect to be in the neighborhood. But Carpenter's been their guy that's batted for average and on-base percentage over the last two or three seasons. Is there something wrong there that we're not hearing about? Well, I don't know. There, there could be an injury, um, but it could also be. I mean, he was batting third. They've just now put him back in the leadoff spot to see if that gets him on. But let's let, let's forget about that because they've always all Cardinals fans alike have given Carpenter a pass on his average. They always want to talk OPS, OPS. That's all anybody wants to talk about these days. Nobody cares about batting average anymore. They care about OPS. But let's have some fun. So right now for OPS, let's see. He's 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 12th on the team. Miles Michaelis has a better OPS than Carpenter right now. Well, let's do 10 on the team. Because let's not count pitchers because pitchers can be like – because Mike Myers – 
is a pitcher, and he's at a thousand OPS. I won't count that. Miles Michaelis isn't there. I won't count that. But Fowler, who has struggled this year mightily, is ahead of him. Harrison Bader, Paul DeYoung, Tommy Pham, Pena, Lina, yeah, Martinez, <laughs> Greg Garcia for the time that he has played, Jet Jerko for the time that he has played. Mm-hmm. So then you have Carpenter, and then after Carpenter, you have Ozuna and Wong um, to round out the. I guess you would say the starters are the the top, the top twelve to the, you know top ten to twelve players. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, again, I said by two thousand and nineteen, I made mean, a bet that Carpenter wouldn't be an everyday player for any team. Uh, I just thought he got old quick. I was never a fan. He's always played better than what I thought he was as a player, and maybe we're only starting to see the downturn of Matt Carpenter. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got 22 strikeouts over 69 at bats. Uh, that's third on the team behind, uh, you know, Paul DeYoung leading the team with 31. But he kind of mitigates that because the guy hits what leads the team with seven home runs. Correct. Um, Marcelo Suna is next with 23. Again. He's driving in runs. He's, you know, fourth on the team in RBIs. He's got two home runs. Uh, Carpenter has two home runs and 10 RBIs, too. So, yep. Uh, So, the idea that Osuna is hitting for more extra bases because his slugging percentage is 30 points higher tells me that Carpenter is making a lot of weak contact and he's striking out a lot. Um, you know, he has struggled mightily in the first uh, 20 games of this young, 21 games of this young season. Uh, you know, on the flip side of that, you've got Martinez, who is absolutely crushing the ball at a .935 OPS, 329 average. He's only got 10 strikeouts to 10 walks, 16 RBIs, and three homers, six doubles. You know, he's stringing together a pretty solid season. Uh, that's the kind of guy you'd want in the middle of your lineup, knocking in runs. And it, 409 on base percentage, you know, he's he's crushing the ball. Uh, you know, I would look at Matt Carpenter as, uh, you know, a possible trade piece. If Jorko comes back, he's healthy and hitting the ball. Uh, you know, do you bench him? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe, but who do well, what team right now is going to trade for Carpenter? Would you trade for him right now? Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> <laughs> the Oakland A's. <laughs> I don't even know if they would trade for him. Either one of those, to be honest with you. What would And really, what would the Cardinals get in return right now? Probably nothing, or not much. So, um, they'd have to do something. But then, let's, let's talk some other surprises. What other teams are surprising you so far this year out of the gate? So, out of the gate. Yeah, the New York Mets. Uh are really playing above sea level. Um, Houston's no surprise. Cleveland's no surprise. Boston's no surprise. Uh, Toronto, up in the east, playing ahead of the Yankees. The Yankees are struggle- struggling to, to be a 500 team. Uh, we already talked last week about how well the Angels are playing with uh, Otani uh, proving us wrong. And... Up until here recently, the the Pirates were playing pretty good ball, but they've lost four in a row and they've looked pretty pe- pretty bad doing it. And uh, the Dodgers, 
the Dodgers have been absolutely atrocious. What about the Phillies, though? Right now, they're 14-7, and 8-2 in their last 10 on a four-game winning streak. Yeah. Uh, did they make the right moves to get the veteran leadership to help to help them to help their younger players grow? Well, I think it, they put a lot of, of uh, trust in uh, their pitching, their young pitching staff. Aaron Nola has been very solid for them. Uh, you know, Jake Arrieta finally pitched well in his second start. Uh, and then, you know, their bats. You know, we all knew Reese Hoskins was going to be a guy that we'd have to keep an eye on. Uh, yeah, but do you think he was going to be this good? No. No, I didn't. Uh, Neither did I, man. He's been a stud this year. Yep. Uh, you know, Michael Franco's starting to play uh, better. Uh, Pavetta, Velasquez, and Lively have all pitched surprisingly well. And then Carlos Santana, who is playing the field now, uh, has been decent. So, I mean... The fact that this team is maybe playing a little bit above its head might uh, flush out later on in the season. It might not. Uh, you know, they've got two pitchers on the DL right now, Jared Eikhoff and Mark Leiter, and then uh, reliever uh, Pat Neshek. But they seem to be doing well enough without all of them. Um, you know, Neshek probably has the, the worst thing going on for him outside of uh, Leiter. Um and, well, Eikhoff is in pretty bad shape, too. He's got a lat problem. But the, the shoulder strain with uh, Neshek and then the, the right flexor pronator problem with Leader, you, you don't know if and when he's going to be back from that. He might end up on the 60-day DL, they say. They're not sure yet. But, you know, Reese Hoskins, Adebal Herrera, uh, Althair, and Michael Franco have really carried the offense for this team. And Santana hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been great either. All right, Ben, before we cut out tonight, uh, last thing I want to talk about, are you concerned about the Cubs? Are you concerned about them maybe missing the postseason this year? Uh, they were 5-5 five and five in their last 10. I know it's early. They've either looked really great uh, at times, you know, coming back, uh, from that deficit being down against Atlanta, coming up and went 14 to 10 uh, on Friday, they scored 16 runs against the Rockies. They only managed two on Saturday. They did get nine runs today. It seems right now it really is feast or famine, famine with your Cubs, and typically teams that feast and famine don't have the best seasons. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of uh, up and down uh, with all of the all the players. Uh, I think what has happened was uh, Ian Happ's slow start at the top of the order um, and his struggles really kind of caused some early problems. Uh, the starting pitching has still not come around yet, uh, although Quintana looked really good today for the most part. Uh, two times through the order of the previous night, uh, Darvish looked all right, but the third time he lost focus. He had a no-hitter and then completely just boggled it after that and ended up blowing the lead, and the bullpen melted down as well. Uh, but I think what has really made things turn around here in the last few games is the fact that Albert Almora and Javier Baez are finally going to be, the, I believe, the, 
the the linchpin uh, in the top of that order to get the team going. Javier Baez has been absolutely on fire. Uh, you know, he loves hitting in Coors Field. He smashed two home runs up there. He leads the team with 23 RBIs. In fact, I believe he leads the league with 23 RBIs with that total. Um, he's starting to mitigate some of the swing and miss. Uh, you know, he still has 17 strikeouts, but uh, once he figures that out and gets more walks, learns how to take pitches and not swing for the fences all the time. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, uh, I know we talked a lot about him last year, having his struggles. He's batting 293 right now. Uh, couldn't ask any more out of him. Uh, just maybe some more playing time and better defense. Uh, scary moment today with Chris Bryant taking a 95-mile-per-hour fastball. Uh, off the helmet he's gonna be okay though but he's kind of batting for average for the team not really showing off power yet and I think once Anthony Rizzo gets over his back trouble um, you'll finally start to see him come around and congratulations to David Bodie who uh, doubled yesterday in his first major league at bat I think he's a guy that we're gonna see a lot more of in the future as a bench player uh, very enthusiastic guy play all around the infield and some outfield too um you know i look for him to take on a role kind of to what ben zobris does if zobris can't get healthy this year uh i think david Bodie will be up and down a few times and he hits very well at the major league level as he's demonstrated already but do you think they missed the playoffs uh, i'm i'm not gonna say that they I think they'll get in by the skin of their teeth if they continue to play this way. Um, the pitching is the thing that worries me the most. If the pitching doesn't, the uh, starting pitching doesn't come around, uh, I look for a major shakeup in July when the trade deadline comes around uh, because all the pitching people have very tradable contracts. Uh, Lester, Chatwood, Darvish is probably the only one that won't go anywhere, but Hendricks everybody else Quintana even if they don't perform I look for you know a fire sale uh, and possibly a, a restructuring for the the following season if that happens in July if they fire sell the starting uh, rotation then I don't think they make the playoffs all right well Ben take this home tonight tell them out and let's close it out on another great week here at ground rule double all right. Well, if you have any questions or concerns coming up throughout the season, we'd love to hear from you at groundrulex2 at gmail.com. That is groundrulex2 at gmail.com. Uh, find us on iTunes and find us on SoundCloud. That's Ground Rule Double on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just click the subscribe button. It will arrive to you free each and every week. We'll talk more about the Cardinals and Cubs next week as this season gets out of its first month and a maybe a little bit more. Uh, from Ben Cox, Matt Trusty on the other side, this is another weekend edition of the Ground Rule Double. <laughs>